So your first, and this is a little bit of review from last week. So your first fill-in is Christ. Um, Christ refers to the anointed one and his anointing. So if you um, missed last week, you're welcome to go view it online just to kind of recap what we went point by point on last week. Um, And then Christ anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. So let me do this little bit of a recap right here, that when we refer to Jesus Christ, Christ is descriptive of Jesus. And so we discovered last week where that, that reference of Christ is referring to the anointing oil. And then we saw in Isaiah where the anointing removes the burden and destroys the yoke. So when we see the word Christ, we can say the anointed one, Jesus and his anointing. And then what does it do? It removes the burden and destroys the yoke. And as Christians, what's the first part of the word Christians? Christ. As Christians, we were designed to live in the same place of freedom. So this is kind of a prelude of what we're going to talk about tonight is that Christ Jesus gave us that freedom. He lived in that freedom. And so we were designed to live in that same freedom. So let's go to 1 John. And hopefully you brought your Bibles. I set out um, uh, highlighters back there so you can highlight either your notes or you can highlight in your Bible. So let's go to 1 John. 1 John is way toward the back of the Bible. So if you're like in the 1 Peter area like I am, go to the right. And then we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4. Now, Lambden in Kids Zone always puts 1 John in front of it. Even if we have our big word is John, he puts first in front of it. Two different things. John is a gospel. 1 John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are epistles later on in the New Testament. So 4 and 17, it says, in this union and communion, and I want you to circle with him. Anytime that you see the words in him, with him, that's going to refer to, and if you were with us last week, and I'm going to show it again, that refers to Christ in us. So this union with him, when we see that, we can automatically say that that is for us. That love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us. That we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and the boldness in boldness to face him because as he is, full stop right there, is Jesus living in an anointing that is freedom that removes burdens and destroys yokes? Does he live that way right now? Is that part of who Jesus is? Yes. From the very start of his ministry up until today, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. This says in 1 John, as he is, the next part, so are we in this world. So we can say with confidence that if Jesus is living in an anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes, and that is part of his identity, we're going to go to get to that in a second on his identity, then we can say with confidence that as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus fully restored what was always, what we were always meant to have as children of the Father. That when we look at God's original design, his original intent with Adam and Eve was to have sons and daughters. He wanted a family. 
And Jesus restored that original purpose and intent for God to have sons and daughters. Now, obviously, sin got in the way for all of us. Sin got in the way. But what happened? The redemption that came through Christ Jesus brought us back into right relationship with God and, what, and caused us to be sons and daughters. So then we can say that we live in that same freedom that Jesus provided, that Jesus was the firstborn. I don't have time to go into that, but there is scripture that he's the firstborn of many and place us back into our original position. In our family, my brother Billy is the firstborn. Now I am into cars. I like cars. And I didn't realize until, you know, not too long ago that Billy had originally liked cars a lot. And so because he liked cars, I started to like cars as well. And when we were kind of college age, Billy worked at a shoe store. And guess what? I worked at that same shoe store and eventually worked shoe stores when going through college. So it, what, it's not unusual. Have you ever had an older sibling or you might be the older sibling that you are either following in or your siblings follow into your footsteps? And that's what Jesus meant when he's the firstborn, that we followed into his footsteps of righteousness. Jesus' full purpose was restoration to, of his father's family. That when at the appointed time that God sent Jesus into this world, that was the sole purpose. The sole purpose was to restore us back to the family of God. Now, let me parallel this with our series on our identity found. That many people don't know that that can be and is their identity. That we've been restored into the family of God. They don't know that. But also at the same time, a lot of people, even believers, struggle with their identity because they don't have the knowledge, and we do, many of us as well, nobody's perfect, struggle with our identity because we don't recognize and realize that we've been brought into the family of God in the same way that Jesus is. So let's now go to Galatians. So you're in 1 John, so you're going to go to your left. So Galatians is a little bit closer to the Gospels. And Galatians is the first of the four Pauline, what we call Pauline epistles of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And then in verse, our chapter five, verse one. Once again, if you need a highlighter, we've got, we're going to put those out every week. And we're also going to take the time to turn to it in your scripture. So, From the very start, get ready to circle, get ready to highlight. In this freedom, Christ. So let's highlight and circle. In, circle the word in. Where are we? In. Just like we were saying, we're in this building. We are in something right now as believers. In this freedom, Christ. Look at the parallel right there. Let's go ahead and translate the word, the description, the name Christ. What is it? The anointed one and his anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. Now does it make sense, a little more sense in your heart, that right before that word is freedom. In this freedom, Christ, the anointed one and his anointing has made us what? Free and completely uh, liberated us. 
Stand fast then and do not be hampered or held ensnared. So stop right there. You see the significance of why I showed the little monkey last week and the sea turtle this week? To be ensnared with no hope. Both of those little creatures had no hope of getting out of that mess that they were in. And so it is with us. Our identity outside of, of, of the Lord, we have no hope of redemption, but thank God we have been redeemed. Ensnared and submit again to a yoke, full stop. Jesus came to what? Remove the burden and destroy the, the yoke. To not be ensnared again to a yoke of slavery, which you have once put off. Your next fill in, we must maintain the identity that we have been given by Christ Jesus. Unfortunately, salvation is permanent and it is forever. But this side of heaven, according to scripture, we have to maintain our identity. It's a daily walk. The word of God says to fight the good fight of faith. And a good fight is a fight that you win. <laughs> that every day we have to maintain who we are in our identity in Christ that Jesus paid the full price for our redemption and we must live in that redemption. Jesus made available to us an identity that has been perfected before God and we have to maintain it. We have to receive that into our hearts every single day. That complete freedom is our identity has already been provided. Now, um, let, let's, let's think of something right here. I, I, I don't know. Gerald, I like the new Corvettes. I, I think you like them too. Now, what would it be if um, I, somebody had given me a brand new 2023 Corvette and I like the red and I like Target tops? I don't know why I like Target tops. But then also in my garage, I have a two-car garage, and also in my garage, and nothing wrong with this, but was a Nissan Versa. <laughs> and every day I got in that Nissan with the Corvette sitting right next to it and saying, man, I wish I had a Corvette. Man, it'd be so nice to drive a Corvette and pull out of the garage. This, you know, this Nissan's okay. This little Versa's all right, but... And every day coming back and forth and, and when I'd get in the garage, the Corvette is there. I have the keys to it. It's ready to go, but I just am in a place where I'm not recognizing that it's available to me. And a lot of believers live that way where we don't realize what's been available, made available to us. And so we're driving around in something inferior when something superior has been provided for us. And this doesn't mean that all of a sudden our identities and our emotions are completely healed at once, even though that is possible. But it also means that we live at a place where daily we remind ourselves that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And our identity has nothing to do with this world, but has everything to do with who redeemed us and who brought us back. Let's go to chapter, uh, book of Acts chapter 10. So you're in Galatians, so you're going to go to the left. So you're going to pass Corinthians first and second, and then you might get to Romans. And then when you get to Romans, Acts is right before that. So Acts chapter 10 in verse 37 and 38. 
I want to tie together right here uh, something that I think it was last week or maybe the week before that we said. But watch the first part of this verse. This or the same message. I want you to circle that. Is it a different message? Is it a message that we've interpreted differently according to 2023 culture? The word says the same message, and I'm pointing that out because watch what we're about to read. The same message which was proclaimed throughout all Judea from Galilee after the baptism preached by John. Now, if you want to write in your Bible, you're welcome to write in your Bible. You should. John is, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. And Jesus starts his ministry by his cousin John baptizing him. And when he comes up out of the water, uh, the Spirit of the Lord descends upon him like a dove. And that begins his miracle working uh, ministry by his cousin, John the Baptist. But let's also remember what John the Baptist preached. And if you remember what he preached, he said, he's a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. And he would say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's couple a couple of things here. It says the same message that was started by his cousin John, which was to repent, change your heart and change your mind because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now let's look at what the kingdom of heaven is. The very next verse, how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth. Now let's look at this real quick. What did God do? He anointed. Above that, write Christ. We, he, with the scripture could have said how God made Jesus Christ. How he anointed him as the anointed one and his anointing that removed the burden and destroyed the oak. But now I want you to also tie together the phrase Jesus of Nazareth. So let's circle anointed, circle Jesus of Nazareth, and then connect those. Because it, it could have said, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Lamb of God. It could have said any of those. But it says, Jesus of Nazareth. Specifically referring to him as a man born on this earth. So let's watch that sequence. How God anointed Jesus the Christ, the anointed one and his anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. And who was it? It was Jesus of Nazareth. I lost my place. With what? The Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power that what did he do? What did the anointing do? Tie this together. He went around the anointing on Jesus' life. The burden-removing, yoke-destroying anointing on his life went around doing good and in particular curing all those who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil for God was, get ready to circle, with him. Every time we see in him, with him, it's referring directly to our redeemed identity. And I'm going to illustrate that here in just a second. 
So the, your next feeling is the enemy's worst fear is for us to find out our identity in the anointed one. The enemy doesn't want us. And actually, there's a minister that he's actually here local, but he's an international minister that preaches this. And people far and wide are all too ready to um, call him a heretic and uh, um, you know, ready to burn him at the stake or whatever it is because, the, because of this message. Well, there's two problems. One, he gets it from Scripture. <laughs> he pulls it straight out of the Bible. <laughs> we had a, worked with a, a girl one time and this, this guy that I worked with said, her hair is just so beautiful, it's dro it draws straight out of her head. <laughs> I don't have that luck. <laughs> but it's straight out of the Bible. It's not changed into something different. And the other thing is, have you ever like a lot of different people said something was true and you're like, I don't think that's true. And nobody agreed with you. And you're like, I don't know either way, but there's just something on the inside of me that says this is not right. And then later on, you find out that you were right, even though the great crowd were around you all was saying something different. And you're like, I knew it. I knew there was something. And here's the deal about mamas. You ever had that when you, you mama told you about something or told you about someone and then you down the road, you thought mama had lost her mind and then you realized mama knew what she was talking about. It's so it's the same thing with the word of God, that when we hear it, it bears witness with our spirit. And when somebody else says something that's contrary to you, like that doesn't line up with what's going on in my heart. And in my heart, this makes sense that we have been given this in him blessing that recreates our identity in Christ Jesus, the one who removes, burns, and destroys yokes. So my point is this, wouldn't it make sense that the enemy doesn't want anyone to find out who they are in Christ Jesus? Your next villain is the enemy has no recourse for the one who has found themselves in Christ. I'm gonna show you why in a scripture and just here in a second. But he has no plan B. For the person that has found himself or herself in Christ, the enemy has no plan B other than deception. That's the only plan he has. And that's why it's, it says that we have to maintain it. We're going to get to that in a second, that we must maintain our identity. That the anointing, sorry, I meant to change it there. The anointing on your life is the same as having God with you in every moment. So let's go back to that scripture right there. That Let me go back to it so you can see it. Right at the end in, in Acts, look at the very thing. Said so that he uh, went about doing good, but the last phrase there, because God was with Jesus. So we can say with certainty, now look at what it says, Jesus of Nazareth, the man Jesus the natural born man that God was with Jesus of Nazareth. So we can say with confidence, Emmanuel, that Jesus is with us. That that same anointing, I'm going to illustrate it in a second. That same anointing is with us. The anointing, I already filled that in. Now let's go to, back to 1 John. And I'm sorry, I'm going back and first. So you already know where 1 John is. So let's go to it. So back to 1 John. Lambden's having a field day because he likes 1 John. He likes that 1 John. And chapter 3. So once again, if you're in uh, the Peters, 
keep going to the right. They're little, so you can easily skip them over or skip by them and you're in Revelation and all of a sudden there's multi-headed beasts. And <laughs> First John chapter three. This scripture, in, in specifically in the Amplified, it stars out boys or lads. We might um, rephrase that in our day, young men. He's referring to, he's, this letter is written to a group of young men. Um, it's boys or lads, let no one deceive or lead you astray. He who practices righteousness, circle practices righteousness, highlight it. He who practices righteousness, who is upright, conforming to the divine will and purpose, thought and action, living in consistently uh, conscientious life to righteousness, even as he, now circle he. What do you notice about the name he in the Amplified? It's capitalized. So it's referring to Jesus, even as Jesus is righteousness. Let's tie this together before we go to the next verse. It says to practice righteousness. And we're given the license to practice righteousness because Jesus is righteous. Now let's go to verse eight. But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing is of the devil takes his character from the evil one, for the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. Now, before I want to read this, the Lord gave this to me, and it ties together with something I said either last week or the week before. Let me read it again so you get the full, full effect. But the one who, but he who commits sin, who practices evil doing and is of the devil takes his character, character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. Now, I had this friend way back in the day, before I tie this together, <laughs> we worked together at a church and she came into my office and she said, I want to tell you I've, I've been doing something. And I was like, what's that? She goes, in my prayer time, I've been praying for the devil. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. And why are you praying for the devil? And she was like, I'm praying that the devil gets saved. And I was like, well, no, I mean, that's probably honorable, but let's not pray that way. That's kind of a, a, a wasted prayer. And here's why. Here's why it's a wasted prayer. The devil chose to be the devil. Now, let me say it a different way. He is, every part of who he is, is rebellion. Now watch this because this ties together a little bit with what I said a, a week ago or two weeks ago. That people that practice sin, let me take it another way. People that pr practice a distorted identity. Now let me, I'm, I want to tread very lightly but very direct here. I'm not talking about people that struggle with something and they're seeking the Lord and they're, and they're seeking God's heart. Now, I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people who have deliberately chosen an identity. Now, watch this real quick because this is what most people won't say because they don't want to offend. They cho choose that identity out of rebellion. It's a choice that is against God. 
And I, let, me, let me also say this. I believe in compassion. I believe in loving everybody. I believe in reaching people with all the, the love that you have in your heart. That is what we are called to do no matter what they look like or matter who they, who they say they are. But remember the statement, a gospel that is watered down a gospel that has been made palatable to society is not a gospel that delivers. And as I said last week, God does not need my help at all in ministering his good news at all. And he sure doesn't need my commentary. So when church leaders embrace things of this nature, they are embracing rebellion. And make no mistake, the enemy, the devil, Lucifer, chose rebellion. So that's why my old friend, you know, don't, don't, be, don't pray for the devil. <laughs> he chose that. So when we gloss over or exceptional, make, exceptional, make except, exceptions to the principles of God's word to the principles of his original intent. When we do that in an effort to be compassionate, Taylor, don't use this clips, these clips in the, in, in the reels. <laughs> when we do that, we are embracing rebellion and we do it in the, in the sense of I'm going to be compassionate. Well, two things. One, you're being compassionate or you're trying to take a, states, a stance of compassion out of pride. Because you want to appear more compassionate than everybody else. That's so Bible believing and Bible thumping, you know, idiots. But then the other part as well, that we are embracing a form of rebellion that God will not, let me make this clear, for Jonathan, starting with Jonathan, God will not work freedom in Jonathan's heart that is rooted in rebellion. He won't. And that's true for everybody. So when we get up on pulpits and we make these exceptions, I think it, Gerald kind of talked about it at our Bible study Saturday. It's, it's a little bit of a woe to you. Woe to you. I don't want a woeing to me and nothing, certainly when it involves God. So let's go to the, the next verse in 1 John. The reason the Son of God was manifest visible was to undo to destroy, to, to, to loosen, and to dissolve the works the enemy has done. So let's tie this together. I want you to, to, the reason the Son of God, right above that, Christ. The reason the Son of God operated as Christ Jesus was to remove the burden and destroy the yoke that he was made, he came to the earth, to demonstrate 
the destruction of every work of the enemy and also for us to live in the freedom that destroys every work of the enemy. So let's take it a step further. This is in my notes that we are supposed to be living at a place where our the anointing on our lives removes burdens and destroys yokes over people as well, including us. <laughs> so practicing righteousness destroys the works of the enemy. Practicing that knowledge, the meditation of that I am in right standing with God and I live in an anointed place because of Christ Jesus destroys the works of the enemy. Knowing who you are in Christ breaks every plan of the enemy. That's why we practice righteousness. Once again, if I practice rebellion, I'm not going to live in that freedom. But if I practice righteousness, that my heart has been sealed by the redemption of Christ Jesus, then I'm going to live in that freedom. Our identity is healed and made right by the anointing. So our last one is this. So let's go to Colossians. I'm sorry, I'm making you go back and forth in the Bible. That's all right. So Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, I'm closing with this one because this is where we're going to pick up next week with these very thoughts, and it's going to be good. So once again, bring your Bibles. I want you to write in them, highlight them, have them open. But listen to this. I'm going to illustrate something, and then we'll be done. If then you have been raised with Christ. Now, I'm not going to take the time to do it, but can you translate that in your Bible? I can translate Christ. Let's just say it. If then you have been raised with Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. Thank you. Whoever did that. Thank you. That removes the burden and destroys the yoke to a new life. Doesn't that make sense now? To a new life. Um, Thus sharing the resurrection from the dead Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that is above where what? Christ, the anointed one and his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke is at the right hand of God. Verse two, and set your minds. There it is again. Practice righteousness. That doesn't mean we're practicing that we do everything, you know, without mistakes. But it's practicing the reality of redemption. And set your mind, practice righteousness, and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. And here's the key that will springboard next week. For as far as the world is concerned, you have died. And your new, real life is hidden with Christ in God. Let me pull apart a couple of things here real quick before I remind you of the illustration. For as, and I, I was thinking about that today, God, as far as the world is concerned, because we can all with confidence say in the eyes of heaven, in heaven, Jesus sees us as redeemed. But that's not what it says. It says as far as the world is concerned, that this earthly walk, that we can be seen in a place of complete and total redemption. So let, let's read it again. For as far, as far as the world is concerned, you have died and your new real life 
is what? Hidden. Where is it hidden? With Christ in God. So I gave this illustration last week and I'll use it again next week. So just get used to it. <laughs> this is you. You didn't know that you were a clear storage container. This is you. This is Christ. That we can translate how? The anointed one and his anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. So in Christ is, and we illustrated it with ping pong balls, is the anointing. In Christ. And you, according to Colossians, are in Christ. Take that back. Christ in you, that's next week. Christ in you. And then in Colossians, that you are, and here's Christ as well, the, anoint, the, the anointing. And where are you? You are in Christ. Now wait, 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 wait. A Colossians says right here, and we're going to do a ton more scripture next week. Colossians says right here that you are hidden in Christ. Wait, 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 wait. That means, now doesn't it make more sense when it says, as far as the world is concerned, they don't see you. They see Christ. They see the anointing. They see the anointed one and his anointing. And according to Colossians, that your life is hidden in Christ. So what does that cause us to do? Practice righteousness. One last step, step on that is that when I look at my life, how should I see my life? That's me in there. I am hidden in Christ. And next week in Christ is hidden in me. Woo! That's some cool thoughts right there. Let me pray over you tonight. Father, I thank you that your word is good. And it says it's life to those who find it and health and healing to all their flesh. And so we, God, we thank you that redemption is working on the inside of us. The truth of redemption is working on the inside of us. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.